Well, good morning. Welcome. I'm Pastor Allen. I want to offer a special welcome to our friends and guests, uh, Redeeming Grace. We got, I don't think uh, our church has ever done this before. We can worship with another church and then observe baptism and Lord's Supper together. So, really exciting day for me, hopefully for all of you. We started a series a couple weeks ago, uh, interestingly enough, titled Too Good to Be True, Grace. And why the rest is crossed out is because it is true. And so we talked about our first week, we talked about salvation by grace, and we summed it up this way, salvation isn't based on my performance, but God's promise. Hard as it is to believe, it has nothing to do with what I do or don't do, my getting into heaven. It's all by God's grace uh, when we believe, when we believe, when we accept the promise. And that gets us into relationship with God, personal relationship, an eternal relationship, is by grace. So once we step across that line, and we've got four people we're baptizing this afternoon that is going to express openly that they've stepped across that line, uh, what happens after that? Uh, we believe that from that point on, you're going to spend eternity with God. But before we leave this earth, what happens? Well, we talked about one issue last week, and it was this. You become the person God wants you to be, not by guilt but by grace. So we all mess up. How do you handle that? And some of us feel guilty. We hold on to that guilt. We think that motivates us or that's some part of our punishment. But God says, no, 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 no. I've taken care of that. So once you confess that to me, my, my grace covers it. And not only is you, are you forgiven and the sin is gone, the guilt should be gone. Anyway, any of our folks that missed that last week, it's, it's on our website. So today we've got a new topic, and today's topic is this, God's sustaining grace. And I want to start off with a story because it's uh, kind of hard to comprehend what we're talking about when we talk about sustaining grace. I'm a runner, and I started off when I was 30 years old just running for exercise, and I would run five miles three times a week. Did that year after year, year after year. Now, the reason they did five miles was back then they said, you need to get your heart rate up for a half hour. And back then it was a lot faster than I am now. So I had to run five miles to get past a half hour. So that's how I started. But about 15 years in or so, uh, my mid-40s, late-40s, I got slower for one thing and also got bored. And so what was I going to do? Well, where I live, sometimes I would run, the road I would run on, I would run past where the Appalachian Trail crossed. So one day, just on a whim, I made a right-hand turn and started running on the Appalachian Trail. Anyway, this kind of reinvigorated me and got me motivated to run some more. So then I almost exclusively do trail running. Well, if some of you live in this area, you know there's a trail, partially trail run. Ultra marathon, which means it's longer than 26 miles, that uh, you can run. It's actually a 50-mile race. It's called the JFK. It's on the Saturday before Thanksgiving. And so I said, hey, I'm going to be 50, and maybe I could celebrate by running 50 miles. I know that's crazy. <laughs> Most of you think that you're insane. I understand that. But uh, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, we were on an anniversary trip outside the country on the race, and so I just kind of left it in the back of my mind. But I couldn't get it out of my mind. So when I was 52, I said, I'm going to do this. And so I didn't train as much as I should, but on that Saturday morning, I, I, I started running, 
in Boonesboro, up the mountain, down the Appalachian Trail, up the towpath, and then eventually into Williamsport. And just shy of 10 hours, I finished. Now, the reason I tell that story is this. What is the key to running an ultra marathon? Is, do you think it's speed? No, it's not a speed race. Um, is it a need training? Yeah, I didn't train enough that year, as I found out. But the key is, from my perspective, is endurance. And a couple guys from the church have run it once. I've done it 12 times now. But anyway, (laughs) that is really crazy, I know. Uh, But the key to running it, as I told them before they ran it both times, is just don't stop. If you start running and you don't let your legs stop, eventually you're going to get where? To the finish line. Exactly. And that's been my philosophy uh, 12 times when I've done this. And it's worked. Now, 1,000 people start. Usually, it's about 900 to finish. 110% of them don't have the endurance, whatever reason, to get to the end. The reason I share that story is this. How do you get through life? And if you're not a Jesus follower and you're here with us this morning, welcome. We're delighted that you're here. But how do you get through life? You have to have some kind of form of endurance, Now, for us Jesus followers, how do we get through the Christian life? We need to have endurance. But I thought endurance is kind of a negative word, so we're going to use the word sustaining grace. We could say it's enduring grace. So how do you get through? How do you succeed in life? And so that's that's my question. Um, As a Jesus follower... We have help, (laughs) and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. It's not just us getting through. Um, Does God finish what he starts? What do you think? God always finishes what he starts. Why? Because he's going to stop it. He's all-powerful, right? And so we talked about two two weeks ago that you and I enter God's family by grace. Once we're in the family, can anybody get us out of the family? So, it's not a question if you're going to go to heaven when you die. God's always already promised that. So, you are going to finish the race. The only question is, how are you going to finish? And as your pastor, and Travis, pastor of some of you other folks, we don't want you to just finish. We want you to finish well. And if you and I can take advantage of God's sustaining grace, we can finish well. So what is sustaining grace? It's the power to do what you should do when you don't want to do it. (laughs) It's the power to keep going when you don't feel like keep going. You know, when I run on the Appalachian Trail, I have basically three obstacles. One is rocks, of course, and I have to navigate around the rocks as I run. Another thing is branches or sticks that fall. Now, these are the ones I'm really leery of because... They get tangled up in your legs if you're not careful. And so I usually actually stop and pick them up and throw them off because I usually run out and back. And so when I'm coming back, no sticks to to worry with. And then the other thing which is really dangerous are roots because they're hard to see and they stick up and and they easily trip you. So three basic things that trip trip me up. Running, I want to share with you three basic things that trip us up potentially as we go through life. So the first one is this. One area, big area of life where we need sustaining grace is 
in resisting temptation. Don't raise your hand, but how many of us are ever tempted? Common aspect of mankind is that we are all tempted, all right? All of us, 100% of us are tempted. Was Jesus tempted? He was a man. Was Jesus tempted? Absolutely. The scripture makes it clear that Jesus was tempted. In fact, he was, had all the temptations you and I have. He was tempted to overeat. He was tempted to lust after women. You know, he was test, tempted to gossip. He was tempted to do all the things that you and I do or have done. Big difference, though. He never sinned. Now, the good news is then obviously it's not a sin to be tempted, right? How often have you and I felt guilty just because we were tempted to do something? Now, you and I can't control all the thoughts that go through our minds. Martin Luther said it this way, you can't control birds flying over your head, but you can keep them from nesting in your hair, right? And so, when you and I step across the line and become a Jesus follower, a battle begins. You're on the devil's team. If you don't believe in the devil, that's, that's, that's okay, but most of us do. Uh, if you believe, you know, before you cro- step across the line, you're on the devil's team, then you step across the line on God's team. What do you think the devil feels about that? Is he happy with that? Hey, I'm, I'm happy for you. No, you become his enemy at that point. And so a battle commences And that's what we call the temptation. All those moral choices you and I have to make. Well, do the right thing, the wrong thing. Good thing, the bad thing. That's the battle. That's the temptation. Now, I want to talk about a few, for example. A big one in our culture is obviously sexual temptation. We live in a very sexualized uh, society. Now, is sex a good thing or bad thing? It's a good thing. God created it, right? Establish it for the first couple, Adam and Eve. It's a good thing within the confines of marriage. And unfortunately, now I have to say between a man and a woman, right? It's great. It's a way to bond, to to stay close, obviously reproduce. By the way, for redeeming grace people, not this week, but last week, we had three babies born in our congregation. I think one of them is actually here this morning. But anyway, uh, but outside of those guidelines... It is wrong. And so whenever we uh, cross that line, we have sinned. Now, there's a lot of confusion in this area. There's a difference between attraction and lust. A difference between temptation and sin. So if I see a, a pretty woman walk by and say, hey, that's a pretty woman, attractive woman, Actually, I'm glad that I recognize that. If you don't recognize attractive women, guys, you and I need to have a talk, all right? Or ladies, if you don't recognize a handsome guy, That's part of the way God made us, the part of God wired us, is we can appreciate beauty, right? So when does it become a problem? When we start to dwell on it, when we start to fantasize about it, when we start to, uh, obviously, if we would follow through on that. So I thought maybe it'd be a little easier to understand if I use another illustration. How about food? I don't grocery shop very often. I recently went with my wife. Uh, probably you all know this. It's best to go after you've eaten instead of before you've eaten. Because <laughs> everything looks good in the grocery store if you hadn't. But we had eaten first before we went to the grocery store. But still, certain things, uh, 
we like certain things other than other, other things. People say, I'm weird. I don't like cheese. I know most of you like cheese. I don't like cheese. I don't like sweets. But I do like sweets if they have fruit involved. So pies and tarts and those things, they uh, uh, attract me. Now, I go to the grocery store. Hey, that's an apple pie. Hey, that looks good. This looks good. That looks good. You, you pick whatever you like. Is that a sin? No, that's a sin. Not a, not a sin. Now, if I can't resist and I get the box of donuts and start eating them before you get to the cashier. You ever done that? <laughs> that might be a sin. Now, as long as you say to the cashier, you know, I'll pay for all these even though I've eaten some of them. Uh, I think you're okay there. But that's the difference. When we act upon it, when we dwell on it, when I can't think anything else about, but about donuts, all right, that's when it becomes sin. Now, the <clears throat> Bible also tells us that Temptation is common to all of us. Not only that we get tempted, but the temptations. Sometimes we fall into this thinking that, you know, this is a, my temptation is unique to the world. Nobody else has ever been tempted like I am. So consequently, I have an excuse for giving in. God said, no, 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 no. (laughs) You don't have any uh, original. Uh, As a pastor, sometimes I wish my parishioners were being a little more creative in their sinning. I get tired of the same boring, boring mess-ups, all right? But there aren't any other more exciting ones. And so they're common. But the good news is if they're common, they've got a common solution, right? And we call that sustaining grace. Uh, next uh, thing that trips us up is this. Sometimes we don't really sin, we aren't tempted and, f- and fall into sin, but we are just tired. You ever get tired? You ever get exhausted? You just, I just, you know, Sunday morning, I just can't get up and go to church. I just don't have the energy. Uh, it's, would you agree with me that it's hard to always choose to do the right thing rather than the easy thing? In fact, we don't always do that, do we? We sometimes choose the easy thing over the, the right thing. For example, you may be the only Jesus follower where you work. Is that easy or is that hard? It's hard, isn't it? And sometimes it is easier just to to coast, I say. But I tell people, what's the only way to coast? Downhill. Can't coast uphill, can you? So if you're coasting through life, which way are you going? Going downhill? I don't know about you, but I don't want to be going downhill in my life. So it takes work, it takes energy to go upstream, to go uphill. And so it's difficult to be the only believer at work or in your family or, or in school or somewhere else. So where do you and I get the help? Where do we get the power to go uphill? Against, against the grain. Well... As Jesus followers, we believe that God actually comes, a part of God comes and dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. Now, the neat thing about the Holy Spirit, that word, in, I don't use a lot of Greek, but the word, word in Greek for Holy Spirit is the same word we use for dynamite, all right? And so I'm going to rename the Holy Spirit Holy Dynamite, all right? So you and I all have Holy Dynamite in us. So we have no excuse <laughs> for not having the energy by God's sustaining grace. Is it hard to to live the Christian life? No, it's not hard. It's impossible without God's 
power without his sustaining grace. So, it helps us re-energize my strength. And one reason you and I are tired is because we are trying and trying and trying to keep all those Ten Commandments and all those do's and don'ts that we read in the Bible. So, sometimes we say it this way, stop trying and start trusting. I'm going to reword it a different way. Let me put that up. Rather than trying to be like Jesus, let Jesus be Jesus in and or through you. If you've been a Jesus follower for a while, you've experienced this. You tried and tried and kept failing and failing. You just kind of, okay, God, will you do this or you help me do this? And it's completely different, isn't it? Um, Third area is this. We need help handling my problems. Again, don't raise your hand. How many of us have problems? Financial problems, uh, problems at work, problems at school, health problems. A biggie for most of us is relationship problems. Relationships are difficult, aren't they? So God says, I'm going to give you sustaining grace to get you through your problems. And we can handle most problems with God's help as long as we see the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, in a couple of weeks, this will be better. A couple of months, this will be better, whatever. There's two categories of problems that's really difficult. We really need God's sustaining grace. One is this. Unrelenting problems. These are problems that ha- there is no light at the end of the tunnel. We see no end to them. It could be a, uh, uh, a physical issue. You know, the doctor's done all they can, and they can't, they can't do any more. Unless God chooses to heal you, you're going to live with that uh, the rest of your life. It could be some relationship issue that you're struggling in your marriage and it's going on for year after year after years and it's just unrelenting and you don't see the end to it. In fact, Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, had some kind of issue. He called it a thorn in the flesh. He prayed about it three times. God wouldn't take it away. And finally got to a place, oh God, I know why you haven't taken this away because you want to sh- show your grace through me. And he thanked God for his thorn and God's sustaining grace. One of the problems we in these situations is that we do this if-only thing. You ever do that? If only I had not married that person. Or if only I hadn't had kids. You ever had that thought <laughs> as a parent? You know, if only. If only I hadn't taken that job. Only if I hadn't done this or done that. So we need God's sustaining grace in those three big areas of life. Now we're going to look at something that... <clears throat> that uh, uh, Peter wrote, and Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, all right? And uh, he, kind of an impetuous guy, and Jesus one day told him, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. And he said, no, 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 I'm your best friend. I'm not going to do that. And then when Jesus got arrested, that's kudos to, to Peter, he was the only one that actually went and followed Jesus, but then when he was confronted, are you, you Jesus follower? He said, no. Three times he said, no. This is the guy that uh, after the Holy Spirit came and he was energized, uh, became the leader of the church. So he has a lot to, to say about on this topic and we're going to read some of it that he wrote here in what's called 1 Peter chapter 5. He says, God opposes the proud but gives what? Grace. To the humble. So if you want to receive God's grace, 
the condition you and I have is to be humble. In fact, when we're proud, what's God say? If you're, you and I are proud over here, God's over here. That's kind of a disconnect. You're kind of fighting God when you and I are proud. Now, humility is kind of hard to describe. So we're going to show you a video clip here in a second that, that you can really identify it. But, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. So pride is when we're lifting our, trying to lift ourselves up. God says, no, I'll take care of that if you just humble yourself. Just watch. This is kind of funny. So what do you want out of life anyway? I guess I want what everybody wants, you know, career, love, marriage, children. Are you seeing anyone? I think this is getting too personal. I don't think I'm ready to share this with you. How about you? What do you want? What I really want is someone like you. <laughs> oh, please. Well, why not? What are you looking for? Who is your perfect guy? Well, first of all, he's too humble to know he's perfect. That's me. He's intelligent, supportive, funny. Intelligent, supportive, funny. Me, me, me. He's romantic and courageous. Me also. He's got a good body, but he doesn't have to look in the mirror every two minutes. I have a great body, and sometimes I go months without looking. Uh, he's kind, sensitive, and gentle. He's not afraid to cry in front of me. This is a man we're talking about, right? He likes animals and children, and he'll change poopy diapers. Does he have to use the word poopy? Oh, and he plays an instrument, and he loves his mother. I am really close on this one. Really, really close. All right, so we can see humility and when it's present and when it's not, right? And so God says it's important for you and I to humble ourselves and not like him, obviously. All right, so Peter goes on. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Now, we all know that God cares about us, right? So why do we worry? I say it this way sometimes. We all have a, a different size God. And anytime we're worrying, we just shrunk God down because we figure he can't handle it, right? So that's one way we do it, by worrying about it. <clears throat> and so something has to transpire. You and I have to do something. And it uses the word here, give. So when I'm worrying... I am too proud, if you will, to give it to God. And God says, no, you've got to give it to me. I can handle it. In fact, I want you to. You need to relax. My sustaining grace is there to whatever that situation is that you and I are worried about. <clears throat> Sometimes we do that because we brought it on ourselves. We think we deserve it. Other times we don't want to bother God with it. But no, no, no. God says, whatever the situation is, give it to me. It's an action that you and I have to take. And he goes on. Stay alert. How often we get kind of lazy in our, in, our, in, our, in our Christian life. He says, can't do that. Can't let your guard down. Got to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. Remember, once you step across the line, he becomes your enemy. Prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. 
Now, there's a certain appeal to sin or, or we wouldn't do it, right? And so evidently the devil puts on some kind of attractive face. But we need to realize what he's really like. And he's like a roaring, lying lion that's looking for his prey, wants to eat you for lunch, okay? So if we keep that image, it'll make sin a little less uh, attractive. We also need to remember that he's already defeated. So anytime he tempts you, you say, hey, you've already lost. I don't want to be on a losing team. Anybody ever record a, a sporting event? I do that a lot and watch it later. Occasionally I find out the score before I watch it. Not much fun. Sometimes I won't even watch it after I heard, heard the score. Because if your team already lost, who wants to watch them lose, right? If you already know. Well, he's defeated. So we've got to be alert, but we have a defeated enemy. Then he goes on. Again, stand firm. These are actions. Give your cares and worries uh, be alert, stand firm against him. Be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. How often do we, you and I have a pity party? Nobody has the problems I have. Nobody has to do with what I have to do. And God says, no, 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 no. There's people all over the world, just like you and I, dealing with the same things you and I are. Uh, my sustaining grace is available to them just as it is to you. And then he says this, writes this, in his kindness, or we might say in his grace, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Jesus Christ. So, you have to suffer a little while. Did Jesus suffer? Big time. You and I have to suffer a little while. Even if it's the rest of your life, eternity is a really long time, Right? So it's still going to be a little while. Now notice these three words. Restore, support, and strengthen. And it might, you know, your life not, might not be restored till our daughter-in-law who died a year ago. It's very emotional for us. Uh, uh, she wasn't restored here on earth. I mean, she's restored now, and we look forward to seeing her someday. But that's the promise we have. But there is the support and the strength to get you through here on earth. And he'll place you on a firm foundation, all power to him Forever, again, on his side, who can stop God from sustaining you? No one, nothing can. Then he finishes up by saying, my purpose in writing this is to encourage you. You talking about all the problems we want to have? Absolutely. That's the reality. That's part of life. I'm going to encourage you by assuring you that you are experiencing what you're experiencing is truly part of God's grace. My problems? Yes. My temptations? Yes. My lack of power, yes. What you're experiencing is part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in this grace. So let's summarize, up with, what, summarize what Peter says this way. The Christian life is not a matter of my willpower, but God's will and God's power. And I always tell my people, it's really not willpower, it's will weakness. Otherwise, if you've ever been on one diet, you'd still be on that diet. Anybody? One exercise program. Anybody? One uh, New Year's resolution. No. Willpower is no power at all, is it? It's not. It simply isn't. But God's will and God's power will get you through. Will God give you the power to do anything he wants you to do? And I tell this to Justin. You know, he's going into the ministry. The ministry is a little tough. 
And uh, I think it's one of the toughest jobs in the world. But anyway, I, I still love it. But well, how, how do you do it? By God's sustaining grace. So we want to finish up and give you three steps, if you will, to tapping into God's sustaining grace. Number one, you have to admit I need it. I need help. All right? Sometimes we just try and do it on our own. We think we're in control. That's kind of foolish. Very little bit of life you and I are in control of. <clears throat> so you have to say, hey, I need help. It's not enough to say I need help, is it? But secondly, you have to ask for help. Now, I'm kind of a science fiction guy, and I you know, love Star Wars and that kind of stuff. But one thing that really bugs me about the Star Wars movies, especially back at the beginning, was you know, Obi-Wan saying to Luke, you know, where is he going to get his help? It's within you. Look within you, Luke. Well, I don't know about you, but I look inside. I don't get it. In fact, I don't like what I see inside. There's no help there to get you and I through, is it? So where do we go for help? Of course, we go to God. We call that prayer, asking God. But you have to be sincere and, uh, and committed to it. You know, I don't know about you, your kids or your grandkids. Comes Christmas time, they'll tell you 50 things they want, Right? Pull out a catalog, this, 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 and this. So what do you get them? Well, if you listen carefully enough, eventually they'll keep saying, hey, I want this. I want a bike. I want a bike. I want this. I want a bike. I want this. I want a bike. So what do you buy them? You buy them the bike. Same thing with prayer. God wants to know what you really care about, what you and I are passionate about. And of course, it all comes under God's will. And we prayed and prayed for our daughter-in-law, and God chose to take her home. Um, thought this was funny. Psychic Friends TV network went out of business. And they said, some bad decisions and some unforeseen circumstances. <laughs> All right, so we ask God for help, uh, not psychics, obviously, and we ask other people for help. And that's what the church is about. And we tell our people over and over and over again, you must be in a small group. The devil will run straight over you if you try and live the Christian life by yourself. You have not a chance. You need to be in a small group. In fact, sometimes God brings problems into your life and my life, forcing us to seek help from other people. I don't have time to talk about that anymore this morning. But anyway, and lastly, then you have to accept the help. The whole caveat to grace, whether salvation by grace, sustaining grace, is this. You have to accept it. Right? That's the only issue. Somebody claims, I haven't counted them, there's 7,000 promises in the Bible. If your God is big, you claim all those 7,000 promises. Most of us don't, do we? So where do you need help? You have that temptation in your life that you just can't seem to get through or over. Maybe you just don't seem to have the energy to keep on keeping on. And maybe you've got some problem. It just seems unrelenting. God says, accept my sustaining grace. I will see you through. Hopefully, my, our folks can join us again next week as we continue our series about God's grace. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, thank you. We thank you for salvation. We thank you that you desire a relationship with us, that you did everything possible so we could have that relationship, but didn't end there. God, you will, will always finish what you start. 
but you want us to finish well, and you provide the energy, the power for us to do that. I want to pray for everyone here, God. Probably one of us is probably focused in on one of those three things that trip us up. God, give us the faith to claim it, to accept it, to believe it, and then to stand firm and watch you sustain us. <clears throat> and we want to pray for anyone here that's not a Jesus follower. We're glad that, been, that they're here, God, that they're listening, and we just pray today is the day they step across the line. Say, yes, I want God's, uh, a relationship with God through his grace, and I also want his sustaining power. I accept that gift. God, we pray for them that they'll do that. We ask all these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen. Uh, for all of you, we have those response cards. If you're from Redeeming Grace, you can write something on there. We'll make sure Trav gets them. And for our folks, uh, let us know how we can help. Thank you.